Hello and welcome to The Red Line, presented by Isles Fix, your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at islesfix.substack.com. I am David Tuckman, my partner in crime. It is Phil Farber. You can follow us on Twitter at Tuck on Sports and at Phil's Facts. We talk hockey, mostly Islanders hockey. Phil, last time we spoke, the Islanders were 2-0, and coming off a shutout win of the Coyotes. Uh, the Coyotes, maybe a little bit better than most people gave them credit for, and things were looking good, right? You beat Buffalo, who seemingly is one of the teams that we're, we're fighting for a playoff spot in regulation. Then you beat a Coyotes team in a nice shutout, dominating win. But the wheels have come off the track since then. Uh, some tough spots, though, right? Yeah, season's over. That's what I read on Twitter, at least. <laughs> yeah, right? okay. Season's over. Well, cool. This has been fun. We need to fire everyone. We need to trade everyone. We need Barzal sucks. Horvat sucks. Everyone sucks. Right. That's Lou, this. Lou obviously is the worst. Lou obviously needs to be fired. How does he still fired. work? He's 81 years old. The guy has no idea what he's doing. No um, idea what he's doing. Well, let's talk about the three games really quick. So Go ahead. They play the Devils, who is mm-hmm. they're a wagon, uh, especially yeah. in the regular season. And, I mean, Jack Hughes is like, he, he's on like a, Gretz, a Gretzky-esque pace right now. He's got a lot of points. He's got like, I want to say he's got somewhere in the neighborhood 15, of like 15, 15 points like 15 in points like five already, yeah. games. He is literally on a Wayne Gretzky type pace right now. Um, it is just, uh, it is absolutely ridiculous what he is doing. So we run into that wagon and, you know, hey, hey listen, we take him to overtime. We get a point right. out of that. Yep. Okay. The penalty kill was terrible. I mean, the penalty kill killed us, right? Yeah, we let, gave let, up four power play goals in regulation. We've got a fun game. We're going to play in this in this episode, okay? Absolutely. So before we get to the fun game, though, then you know, then we follow that up with what I thought was really like a a scheduled setup loss. The Buffalo Sabers at home are one and three, backs against the wall. They really don't want to go one and four, especially you know zero oh and two against the Islanders. Islanders have to travel on a back to back after playing the Devils. A tough spot, I think. Yeah, I think on the uh, Sabres broadcast, which is what I had available to me, um, I think they said something like the Islanders didn't show up to the hotel until like 1 or 2 a.m. So, again, you're going to get an October effort on a, you know, not a lot of sleep coming in on a back-to-back. You would have liked to see a little bit more juice, but I'm not going to get concerned about an early-in-the-season back-to-back loss where they kind of come out flat after an overtime effort against a really good team in the Devils. So I, I wouldn't take too much from that game in particular, other than Varlamov looked really, really good. He did. He did. And and listen, there are some things that I do want to touch on, but again, it's a fun game. We'll bring it up. Then they play Colorado. And that's not in the league right now. Let's not make any mistake. They are. They are. I mean, I, I said the Devils are a wagon. Well, I, Colorado owns the wagon. Uh, Kale McCarr. Kale McCarr, he might be the second best player in the world. He's a freak. He is Although I didn't so think good. that goal was crazy. I it's, thought I thought that should have been a save, but it should yeah. have been a save. But again, there's a lot of things we can still nitpick. But he is when he is on the ice. I know all the Devin Tays guys. Oh, Devin Tays, Devin Tays. I could play with Cal McCarr and look okay. When he is on the ice, he absolutely just controls the game. So he's probably the. He second. did have one blemish though. I mean, he in in the first period where Pajot picks his pocket. Yeah. Gets gets the puck to Dobson who fires it off of Clutterbuck and in. So. Love, Not infallible, but he's he's really good. I love the fact that you won't give Clutterbuck credit for that. He just fires it off Clutterbuck. Not not a tip. He fires it off him. Right? Look at that. Did he tip subtle... it with his stick? I thought it hit his body. I no, no, he know. tipped it with a stick. He got he a stick. He tipped it. Okay. He tipped okay. it. Okay. We'll, we'll give that. Cal his flowers then for that. <laughs> hey, 
By the way, I love the guy on Twitter. I don't want to go on a side yet because we always go on these tangents. But I love the guy on Twitter who you tweet. So Phil's facts. He tweets, Cal Clutterbuck can't play this game anymore. Basically. I'm paraphrasing. Some guy comes back and goes, one goal, one assist. Then you go back and forth and back and forth with him. And he goes, and then he brought up another, to bring up a different point about a different player, he goes, hey, that's why statistics don't always matter. And I'm like, it literally started with you going one goal, one assist for Cal. Like, wait, what? Yeah, it was something like, don't always focus on stats or analytics. Just just watch the game. Like, <laughs> right, dude, right, I watched right. the game. He was so beyond stats, crash defensively. St- st- right. We were, and you were talking about Pellick in that regard. But yeah. stats, stats only matter when they support my argument, okay? If they don't support my argument, shut up, okay, kid? Right. Uh, so those are three games. So let's own overall. The game we're going to play, I was going to play this game. Uh, as a homage to our, our our older viewers who might remember this movie, there's a movie called War Games. Uh, DEFCON 1, not a problem at all. DEFCON 5 means we're going to World War Three. okay? So, 1 meaning we're not concerned at all. 5 is, uh-oh, there's a fire. Somebody call the friggin' fire department. It's over. The house is burned down, okay? Uh, for, the, uh, for any of you who are maybe, I don't know, 45 or older, you probably remember this movie. Maybe you don't. Maybe your dad showed it to you. Who the heck knows? Good movie, by the way, Matthew Broderick. Um, I saw it later on. But anyway, I showed it to my kid. He enjoyed it. So in terms of the season right now, five games in, Ballanders are 2-2-1. and We've got five points in five games. We're on an 80-point pace. But we played, in my estimation, at least... We played two Stanley Cup contenders and one team twice. It's going to be hard to sweep them, and that's early in the season. What are your thoughts? Are you DEFCON 1, 2, 3, 4, 5? I'm on 1. I'm on 1. If 1 is the most moderate amount of concern, that's where I am right now. So if I told you, right, if I told you three weeks ago we would be 2-2-1 after these first five games, you'd be like, okay. Yeah, I would say that's fine. And it's also the the matter in which they lost, right? I think... Right. Overtime loss against the Devils. Overtime games are usually a coin flip. It, it takes one mistake and all of a sudden it's in the back of your net. And the mistake here was giving Jack Hughes too much space. Yeah, you cannot uh, give that. You, cannot you just can't give, give a guy an inch. You got yeah. you can't you gotta be all over him. I mean, Hold I know um, I'd rather them on the power play than giving Jack Hughes any room to shoot from that spot right there. There's a right. What's the Twitter the, guy the Twitter guy, uh AJ Stottle or whatever? Help me out. Anyway, somebody on Twitter was talking about what is Ryan doing here? And I pointed out to him, I said, listen, Jack's a really good player. That that said, yes, Ryan gave him way too much time. So did everybody, by the way. I mean, yeah. you just cannot give a player with that much talent, time and space. Uh, make him earn it at least. Yeah. And then I thought I thought in the Colorado game, I'm going to skip over the Buffalo game just, you know, for the reasons I discussed before, you know, just tough circumstances to play that type of game in October. But with Colorado, they really got things under control in the second period. They look great in the second period. I, I was actually really. Of, I was impressed by the way how we how we came back from adversity. I mean, the first period sure. they were all over us. For sure, you get the Palmieri goal on the power play. Very nice goal. You know, using the space that was given to him to just go five hole right in. Really nice shot by Simon Holmstrom. And then, you know, in the last forty seconds of a period, you just you just can't. It's the veteran guys too in in that situation. It was Sezikis, who was Clutterbuck to a lesser extent, Pajo even. You know, Simon Holmstrom on a mishmash of a line with Sezikis and, and and Clutterbuck kind of losing his assignment because he thought Sezikis was going to take Gerard, so he was dropping down into the slot. So I think it was Bowen Byron, by the way. Who did I say? I think I used Gerard. I think it was Byron. Gerard, it was Byron. You're 100 yeah. percent right. It was it was it was Byron. 
And then, I mean, the the puck that just exploded off of Clutterbuck's stick and then, you know, five seconds later, McKinnon has it in the back of the net on another shot that I thought Sorokin probably should have had. Um, they they beat themselves. They beat themselves yeah. over there. So, and that's against, you know, a 6-0 team right now, for sure the best team in the West, might even be the best team in the NHL this year. Um, when, when you consider, you know, how the league parity looks so far. So overall concern level, you know, if you if you give me three more efforts like that, I probably won't be too happy. You know, I'll probably raise it to a two or a three because I, I I need to see those mistakes get cleaned up. But when it's guys who are usually dependable type guys and it's early in the season making mistakes against a real buzzsaw of a team, I'm just not I'm not there yet with some of the other members of our fan base who are thrown in the towel. Let's circle back to the Buffalo game. Because I do want to bring up one thing that is mildly concerning to me. So I thought one of the biggest problems, one of the biggest issues with last year was our coaching. And I was hoping, okay, we had a rookie coach. He would improve. And I look at the Buffalo Sabres game and I'm going, okay, it's a back, second half of a back-to-back. And they decide, hey, we need some fresh legs in there. Let's get rid of, let's, let's, let's bench the 22-year-old and I think the 27-year-old. Is Fashing 27? Fashing 28. 28. Yeah. Let's, bunch, let's bunch the 22-year-old and the 28-year-old, and let's leave the veterans in there. Um, it just seems like a really questionable thought, a questionable decision in that particular regard. Are we seeing the growth in Lambert that we want um, from a lineup perspective? The power play looks better. They're moving the puck. I think that's just confidence, if anything. But I, I'm curious. I mean, I'm going to stick to what I said earlier uh, before the season started. I'm going to give him 10 games to kind of feel out the lineup, get things right. I, I don't love all the line juggling. I don't like that we're on our third iteration of the first line or third iteration of the third line. Right. And, and you know, you could say, well, they were dominated by Buffalo. One lineup change doesn't make a, you know, a big difference there. Well, the first goal that Buffalo scored was because Matt Martin just looking very lethargic out there, just turns the puck over, right. Makes a, makes a very stupid decision didn't really understand what he was doing with the puck. You know, that's that's a puck that has to get out of the zone, turnover, and all of a sudden it's one nothing. Um, you know, they get a second goal not not much later in in the closing seconds of, of the second period. Um, and that was pretty much all she wrote. So, you know, would they have won that game? Maybe, maybe not, probably not. They they didn't really have enough juice, but the the logic of, well, I wanted to get some fresh bodies in there and the people that you choose to sit are Holmstrom who you really don't want to mess with that kid's confidence early in the season. I, I, you know, I know a lot of people don't view him as a first line player. He probably isn't a first line player, but I still think he's a he's a good and very useful player. He's he's and listen. He kills penalties. I mean, we saw the, pe- we saw sure. the, we saw the snipers Colorado. The guy can and make, we'll talk about the penalty kill too. And, yeah, the guy and has more offensive. Yeah, have. the guy has more offensive skill than people give him credit for. Uh, yeah, I mean, on on the PK, as a matter of fact, against Colorado, right? He's he's the one who got that. Rush chance started that two on one with him and Pajo, right? Yeah. He, he intercepts the pass, feeds it to Pajo, and then he's going and waited a little bit too long, allowed Georgiev to get set there. Otherwise, if, if he shoots that right away, it's a goal. But again, that's that's a play that he creates right there. Yeah. Just because of his defensive awareness uh and his length and his good active stick. And you saw, I think on like three or four occasions, the Colorado broadcasts were just really impressed with his ability to break up plays in the D zone. You know, help, where help, listen, Colorado listen, has a lot Saki- of pressure and then he Joe Sakic's going to get him. 
He's smart enough. <laughs> Listen, we're gonna we're gonna all, he's gonna get him, and then all the all our everybody on Twitter is gonna be like, uh, three years later when Simon is an all star, we're gonna be like, I can't believe Lou let him go. <laughs> I think he needs to shoot the puck more. Yeah, I think he, he has a really good shot. He just needs to trust himself to do it more. I like that he got himself to a good open area there. Sniped and listen, it. I mean, sometimes that's, that's it's, it's not surprising, shot. by the way, when he plays with Horvat and he plays with Barzal, it's not it's not all that surprising that a young player would defer to them. Sure. You don't want it, but it's not surprising. You know, sometimes the best thing you can do is, OK, get him off that line for a little bit. Let him play with Pajot and Clutterbuck. Yeah. yeah well, maybe not Clutterbuck, but, we... but um, that was the, the, the match he had. Right. It was it was right. him. Pajot, I mean, it Clutterbuck, started off and Wallstrom like... and then. Yeah, that lasted what a shift. And they were a like, period. Oh, yeah. Um, okay, so ten games. We're gonna give. We're gonna give Brad ten games. We're gonna see where he's at. Kind of like sort this thing out. Uh, and by Brad, you mean Brad's uncle, Lane. Th- thank you, thank you, Lane. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're not gonna give Brad any chances because no, not uh, this year. Not this year. No, uh, no. We're gonna get. We'll give Lane. We'll give him ten games, and we'll see where he's at. Uh, it's just, I'm a little bit discouraged by that. I, I also, I'd like to see Varley more. I just don't see a reason early in the season why we've got to like grind Bar- Sorokin into the ground. Um, are we concerned about Sorokin? I know people on Twitter are going to go crazy again, and I know we're referring to that, but it's 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 really interesting to me because everybody, you see the amazing saves Sorokin makes, and he makes some ridiculous saves, okay? But he lets in some goals that just can't go in. Uh, the McCarr For the goal, record, the paddle save on McKinnon was not actually a save. Whatever, but okay, that was t- not even a credited shot. Right, right. The toe save, though. Totally you know, the, the, the toe, toe save after that was that was a great. Ridiculous, save. right? Now he makes ridiculous some saves save. like that that are just absolutely ridiculous. But then, but then, sometimes as a player, as a hockey player, I remember playing a game. While I really always, you always love the goalie making the acrobatic, amazing save. What you actually need more is just make the saves you need to make, right? Because yeah. those are the ones that are deflating. You know, I mean, when Pellick completely screws up on the blue line, but does come back and they get that chance. And that's right after we scored, right after Andrew Lee, Andrew Lee ties yeah. it up. Like that's a goal that can't go in. The, the Kale McCarr play again, we talked about Kale McCarr. The guy is, you know, like I said, second best player in the world, probably maybe third, somewhere in that neighborhood. But that backhand can't go in. That can't go in either. No, he was off his angle there. I think the, the ranton in one, the Colorado broadcast said he, he probably was just expecting him to shoot high and he just didn't. Uh, kind of went right through him. Yeah, I mean, back-to-back games with five goals. And, th- and this is the the thing I've pointed out, Sorokin, and, and it drives fans crazy when I do point this out. The shutout stat is nice, right? Leads the league in shutouts. Every 15th start or whatever it is, or every, you know, it's it's a really good number. One out of every X games, he gets a shutout. It's less than 15. It's like one out of seven or something like that, which which is nice, but I, I prefer more of a balance. Like, I'd be much more impressed with a guy who could give me five two goal against starts in a row, as opposed to the guy who's going to give me seven shutouts and then get blown up seven or eight games also for, for five goals. So, you know, he's given up five goals in back-to-back games against two out of, let's call it the top five to, to seven offenses in the league for sure. So am I overly concerned? Not yet. Should they be mixing in Varley more? You know, you'll, you'll probably see him Saturday night against Columbus. I think after giving up five goals, you, you probably want to put Sorokin back out there so he can he can redeem himself, and I think he'll he'll be hungry to get back in net and and get himself a win tonight against Ottawa. And it sounds like that's who they're going to go with tonight. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think there's there's a lot of value in getting Varley mixed in a little bit more than they did last year. Number one, 
I think consistency uh, for Varlamov in particular probably uh, will will keep him on his game. Um, you know, you don't want to have like two week breaks in between just because you don't have a back to back on the schedule. And then, as we saw last year, the the grind. Uh, and you know, they started him like twenty one of the last twenty four games last year, Sorokin, and it definitely took its toll. Yeah, I just don't. Uh, there were some I, games I, I down guess the stretch that, last year and in the playoffs. Yeah, that was one of the things that just drove me nuts. I'm going, you. This is not a Shesterkin. Jonathan Quick situation where you don't have a backup. You've got a backup goalie that's, you know, arguably better than most starters in the league. You know, I wouldn't why say not? most, but a good chunk. It's like, certainly, a good he's better. Chunk. Than, we're playing Corpus Allo tonight. He's better than Corpus Allo, right? For sure. I, I mean, Varley's a good goalie. There's no reason sure. why to me. There's no reason to run Sorokin into the ground early in the season. Um, and frankly, I, I will tell you that I'm a little more concerned about Sorokin than others. Um, I don't like the model of paying a goalie a lot of money in the NHL. I don't think you need to. Um, and, you know, say what you will. We talked about this last year. You know, the series versus Carolina, okay, he was spectacular in some things, and then, I mean, literally cost us games in others. Yep. Um, you know, and, and this is not just a goalie. This is a guy that we're paying, you know, $8 million plus to. And, you know, if you're paying a goalie that much money and you score four goals, you should win. You shouldn't need yeah, to score. I, also, I didn't you like shouldn't the whole, need to score know, six goals to win a game. Right. I also didn't like the whole thing where, like, you know, you just you can't be critical of the guy. Well, <laughs> without him, we don't get to the playoffs. And, and and are you an idiot? Like, did you watch the regular season? Like, well, yeah, I, I did watch the regular season. I also know that, you know, if Florida doesn't start Alex Lyon for their last eight games, they also don't make the playoffs. But, you know, when when the shit hit the fan in the playoffs and Alex Lyon wasn't playing well, it, it didn't really matter that they only got into the playoffs because of Alex Lyon. Well. You know, you get the hook because you're just not playing well. What what happened in the regular season is irrelevant. Like, is it factual that they don't make the playoffs last year without Sorokin? Undoubtedly, right? He was spectacular last year. They don't make the playoffs without him last year. But the fact of the matter is when you're letting in awful goals in the playoffs, right? You do deserve uh, your fair share of criticism. And I, I don't think uh, I don't think he himself was too happy about the series ending goal by Stastny. Yeah, and again, like I said, I mean... Listen, there are times Sorokin makes saves that nobody else in the, in the world can make. Nobody. For sure. But he also lets in a few stinkers here and there, and, and I, I, we just got to cut those down a little bit. Um, Absolutely. So it, it is what it is. Uh, let's move on to um, – we've been talking about a few things. I brought up uh, Oliver Wallstrom. Where's our concern level on that? It looks like he will, he will slide he, in more His time. skating looks clunky, like clunkier than it was before. I – to me, if Lambert is having a hard time finding a spot to put him, then just don't put him anywhere. Put Hudson Fashing back in, or, or Julian Gauthier. I think the line could probably use more speed, anyways. Um, doesn't no one any favors to have to shuffle things around mid game, where to the point where you know I don't know if you saw Matt Martin only played five and a half minutes the other night. Yeah, he didn't Wallstrom play. they kind of phased out in the third period as well. They were they were going with ten forwards uh, for a good chunk of that game. I don't I don't know how that's helpful for anyone. Um, you know, do you want to give him a little more run because you think he could be a power play specialist and help the power play too? I mean, the power play too doesn't even get that much time, right? By the time they get the puck back in the zone, there's what 40 seconds left. No, you don't, um, and then you're trying yeah, to create you can't play a guy, it's, it's, you can't play a power play two specialist, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, you can put him on the power play one and if he's, and right, if he's that good, from there. If he's that good, then fine, but right, he's not. Yeah, I mean, fine. Give him a little more run, but I, I'm, I'm just not convinced it's going to work out with him. That's all. 
And it wouldn't be a great tragedy either at this point. Like they have guys who could fill in in a bottom six right winger role. Yeah, and it's it's funny. Uh, you and I got into this, and we talked about it a little bit on 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 our last podcast. You know, this there's a misnomer that this is that Oliver Wallstrom is a goal scorer, and he's literally never been a goal scorer. Yep. Um, and, and I he has a lot of velocity on his shot. He's got a goal. Which, Listen, which he's cool got a good shot. Thinking that he's got some some sort of you know, unique goal scoring ability. I'm not, I, I'm, I'm genuinely not even sure right now with Dufour's improvement from last year. I'm not sure who's a better player right now. Yeah. You know, I mean, Dufour's not off to a hot start in Bridgeport. Maggio is Maggio's got a couple goals already in their first few games. Yeah. Maggio looking, Maggio's looking good. We'll talk about that in a second as well. Uh, so Wallstrom out, let's go, let's turn our attention to fashing. Um, I said last podcast that I, I thought he had started the season off slow. I wasn't surprised mm-hmm. that he was benched. I wasn't even upset that he was benched. That said, I'd like to see him back in the lineup now because I think he earned sure. that. And I sure. also like his energy. And I'm wondering if, hey, you benched him again. Does that send the message to him? Okay, hey, let's see. Let's see last year's Hudson fashing back again. Are you concerned that he's not in? What's your thought there? Well, it's about to be his third game in a row. They'll get him back in. I was I was a little bit upset about the first scratch only because of who the opponent was, right? Like he he grew up in the Buffalo system. That's where he was for years. I know Steph got a comment from him before the first game of the season where he said, "Well, yeah, those are the guys that gave up on me, right? You you probably want to get him in against his former team, especially in Buffalo. Especially in Buffalo. So, I think from that perspective, it was a little upsetting that that was the spot that they chose to to put him on the bench, but Right now, it seems like they're trying to get Wally going. I don't think, I know a lot of fans are saying, well, they're trying to boost his trade value, right? You're not going to boost his trade value. He would have to do a whole lot of things we need to go right. And if you were trying to boost his trade value, you're not playing him eight and a half minutes and throwing him on the fourth. I'm not even convinced if you waived Wallstrom now, does he get claimed? I mean, Liam Foody got claimed. So so there's probably some team out there like, like Nashville, for example, who they're not contending for the playoffs this season uh but they claim they him, but okay, I'll, like I'll, I'll throw this way the team that claims him what are the odds he gets up back on waivers two months later like he did decent chance right yeah, i would say a decent chance uh let's let's talk about the penalty kill which you know versus new jersey was uh not even borderline atrocious it was just atrocious flat out atrocious listen f, i know f, the, f, i know f. the devils are good but you cannot, you can't allow four power play goals. It's just, you can't win a game that way. There's no way. What's nope. going on with the penalty kill? Is it, is it concerning to you or is this something we can fix? Because last year, by the way, I mean, we started off the hottest penalty kill in the league. I don't think we yeah, and then we like killed off, We killed off a lot though. I we think, I, I don't think Clutterbuck and Sezikis as a pair are, are what they used to be from a penalty killing standpoint. I, you know, Clutterbuck's not as mobile as he used to be. To me, it's a no brainer that your top penalty kill right now is the Pajot Holmstrom penalty kill. Get those guys out first. Get them against the other team's top unit. I don't even know if like Sezikis Clutterbuck as a pair could work anymore. I think Sezikis can because he still has speed and tenaciousness and he's put good at ragging in, the puck. I put Sezikis and Engvall. Sezikis and Engvall, Sezikis and Horvat. Okay. Maybe even maybe even um Dare I dare, I, dare I say it? Barzal? Barzal, yeah. I was about that was at the tip of my tongue. See, I wouldn't mind if, if I was him. if I'm thinking of, of different ones, I mean, I actually would like I mean Engvall's length, his speed, his tenacity, uh, just his stick. 
I, I, and I think like three shorthanded goals as a Maple Leaf. They yeah. used him on the penalty. Court. I really think that he is ideally built for that because he just takes so much space up, right? For sure. And he's long. And, and yeah. he's. And I mean, he's, that's how Holmstrom gets, you know, his success in the PK is also because he's long and he's got a. And, and Engvall's even longer, right? So my my ideal top penalty kill, I would have Pajot Holmstrom. It's a more mobile pair. They've been the better of the two pairs so far through five games. My second pair would be Sezikis with one of Horvat, Nelson, Engvall, you name it. And then if you need a third pair to come out, then it's whichever center you didn't use of Nelson and Horvat with Kyle Palmieri to kind of finish it off. Yeah, I, I still, I've been saying this for a year and a half. Like, I don't know why, and maybe Barzal doesn't want it. I think he would. I just don't know why we're not using his quickness on on the penalty kill. Yeah, I mean, at least a lot of teams it. use their best players there, right? Marshand and Bergeron always, right? Um, the Leafs I, put out Mitch Marner, Edmonton, Sebastian Ajo for Carolina. Conor McDavid kills penalties. Yeah, I, mean, I don't. I, mean, I know you don't. <laughs> I, I think the the counter argument is well, you don't want your best players blocking shots, which like I kind of get, but. I think the point of the point the point of the league is to score, you know, outscore your opponent. And if you can prevent your opponent from scoring and, and Barzell gives you the best chance in that situation to do that. And maybe he doesn't, maybe they've worked on it in practice and it just doesn't work. And at the same time also creates opportunities for you to go the other way. Right. Pajot is one of the top shorthanded uh, goal scorers in the league over the last five, six years because of his speed. Right, yeah. his speed and tenaciousness, and he's able to break out of the zone quickly. You know, shoots out like a cannon. Um, Barzell, you could you could easily see the same thing with him. Yeah, kind of I mean, like Mitch Marner, right? Well, I just it's just an interesting thing when you look around the league and you just point that out. Generally speaking, the best players in the league and the best players on each team are playing power play and also killing penalties. Um, I'm I'm trying to think. I'm sure there there must be one or two that don't. Again, the common theme is it's their fast players, right? The Rangers. They're fast and quick. Zabanajad, Kreider. Those are two out of their top three forwards, and they're both fast, right? You know, I'm trying trying to think of other teams right here. I believe Tage Thompson kills penalties for Buffalo. He does. Yeah, he definitely does. Um, they had a, a you Darlene? know, a, a, Darlene probably does. Sure, right? I mean, well, defensemen, you only have six. So, so odds are your top four are going to be out there. But like Tage, right? Not like super fast, but he could he could skate well, and he's six foot seven. He just takes up a lot of space out there, yeah. right? Makes it very difficult for you to kind of, you know, weed, <laughs> you know, feather passes through when you've got a guy who takes up that much amount of ice out there. So everyone does it. So PK, we're concerned. We're not concerned. Do we need Zach Parise back? What's going on? I uh, would love would love some Zach Parise back right now. They I think they they got to get into a spot where. They're I mean, can we get can we, in the playoffs can we go Pajot, Pajot, Holmstrom, Parise on the third I love line? That line? That's a really I love nice that line. line. It's a nice line. Uh, like what do we think? That's that's our Christmas present. Let's okay. I know this is something that the uh, the fans all hate, but uh, Anders Lee on line one. I, I'll just my take. Uh, is it perfect? You love no. it. I know you love it. Okay. Is it perfect? No. But he's a seven million dollar player who's coming off back to back twenty eight goal seasons. And frankly, it's the only place he's even mildly effective. On the third line, you might as well wave the guy then. I mean, on the third line, we should have... If he's a third line player, then he should have been bought out. Agreed. Okay. He has no utility on the Pajot line. That's what I mean. Right. So if you're going to use him, at least in the last game versus Colorado, he looked energized. He was tipping pucks in front of the net. 
He was fighting for pucks in the corner. He made that one, obviously, the play. It's a fluky goal. That goal's not going to go in. But still, he stole the puck. He got the puck down low. He was active. And I think on that line, he, know, he, he doesn't need to touch the puck very often. And that's fine. Barzal's going to be the main puck carrier. Horvath's going to carry the puck a little bit. And Anders Lee is just going to pick up the garbage in front of the net. And, and frankly, if he plays on line one, he's probably going to get 20 goals again. And is it a perfect fix? No. But I think the way this team is constructed, he probably has to be in that first line. Like you said, I, I don't love it. I don't love the fit, but it, it is the only place that he specifically works because you're not going to break up the second line, right? He's had success with Nelson before. Like, like a Lee-Nelson-Palmary line could probably work. Okay. But you're not breaking up that second line, certainly not right now. I know they didn't have a great game against Colorado, but that that's easily been the team's best line this year, and it's been their best line dating back to when they acquired Engvall. So I would I would keep them together. Um, but yeah, for now. But I think and then, I thought- and then going back to what you were discussing earlier, right? Like it, it could just be a situation where Holmstrom has more confidence in his own game and takes that responsibility upon himself playing on Pajot's line to be more of an offensive player. Pajot is a lot be easier to play again. Uh, let's be honest. Barzal's a brilliant hockey player. He's he's a, an amazing playmaker. Barzal's not necessarily the easiest player to play with in the sense that he just holds on to the puck a long time. And it can be very difficult to play a game without the puck on your stick. So it's a matter of, okay, where is Barzal going? <laughs> and how do I get myself open? It's not the easiest thing. I think for a lot of young players, sometimes that can be that can actually be difficult. Peugeot is really, really easy to play with. It's something that you've heard from players time and time again. Peugeot is predictable. Barzal mm-hmm. is, what, what makes Bar- Barzal brilliant, but also tough to play with is he's not predictable at all. Peugeot is the opposite of that. Very predictable, right. and I think it's easy to play with. Um, okay, so Anders Lee there. We talked about that. Power play. We're two for 12 now. Only 12 power plays? Just 12 power plays. Because our, oh, yeah. Wow. Just 12 so far. That's not very many. Not very many. Um, I'm, I'm encouraged. And, and by the way, I was not, I was not terribly discouraged because I thought we had the personnel for it and I thought we'd certainly be better than we were last year just by variance. The one thing that I was actually pretty excited about was they seem to have developed a little bit different thing. Rather than Dobson skate the puck up to the red line and then automatically just flip around and throw it back to Barzal, he seems to pass it up to the wing. And then the winger throws it back to Barzal. Nelson. Yeah. Also, Nelson carried it in a couple times. That's the thing. Well, what I like about this is they've, they just, it's a little tweak. Dobson skates the puck up, gives it to one of the wingers, which usually Nelson, like you say. If Nelson's open, he just skates it in. If he's not, then he throws it back to Barzal. Right. But what I love, the last game that you saw, and we got a great chance, Horvat actually got a great chance cutting on the backhand on a power play. Dobson noticed that they overloaded uh, Barzal behind, and they didn't give him that pass. So Dobson yeah. hit Horvat wide open, and he cut to the net. And I love the fact that Dobson— Would have loved Horvat to bury that. Oh, he needed was, to elevate the puck. We did, he, he did. He needed to get it up. But I love the fact that Dobson actually said, okay, I'm going to take what the defense is giving me here. Rather yeah. than force it like he did last year against Carolina and Stahl, and yep. Stahl, rather than force it to, to Barzal, he took what the defense gave him. And I kind of was encouraged by that. Would I like one more goal? Yeah, of course. But we've, we have been close. Two of 12 is not bad. Yeah, I mean they've hit they've hit Horvat in the bumper a couple times for those one timers. I mean you keep you keep getting those looks from the bumper. Horvat's going to score from there. 
I always was a big advocate of using Kyle Palmieri um, on the power play one. I, I think the idea of having him as, as kind of like that net front guy or playing below the goal line is they, they need to respect his ability to quickly turn and put it in either, you know, picking a corner or going five hole, like he did on the org and And that's going to open up space, um, you know, for him to make a pass to the bumper or, or to kick it back out to Barzell um, for a one timer. So I think the looks have been better. Um, you know, their percentage looks a lot better if, if Horvat, you know, scores or if Barzell doesn't take a I mean, listen, we very score... foolish penalty to cancel out, you know, a good chunk of the Honestly, last three and a half that was remaining. such a garbage call. You can't, you can't give them any opportunity. To you know they're going to call something, but it was such a guard. I mean, he literally just put a body on him, and the guy just goes, That's, come on. But, I mean, you know, listen, I'll give it to him. You know the refs are going to call that. You know they're going to even When it it's a four-minute power play, absolutely. You know it's going to happen. Um, okay, so let's talk about, you want good news, bad news. Also, we'll by the way, forth. I hate that rule. I absolutely loathe the rule. Of two penalties, same it's guy, it's a five-on-four. Two penalties, same guy, it's a double minor. I've seen it before. We had it once benefit us. It was a game where Josh Hosang committed two penalties on the same play against Arizona. And he said, How for dare you say that? Josh Hosang was perfect. He was perfect. He actually scored a goal in that game. Really nice goal. But I, <laughs> I, the rule just never made sense to me because if like, if some other guy commits that penalty, then, then it's a five on three. But because it's the same guy, like to me, you know, pretty straightforward. You have another guy sit with him in the box and then both guys get out of the box at the same time. Oh. I don't know. We can, we, we can listen when when you uh, take over for commissioner, you can. Uh, I will change that rule. You will change that rule. No doubt. Okay, let's go through good news, bad news for the players. Uh, Cal Clutterbuck, um, how concerned are you? Is he coming back, or is this guy just cooked? Is it going to take? Is it going to take Lane another ten games for him to finally figure out that this guy is only marginally better than Josh Bailey? He is going to play him until he hits game one thousand. I think. I think that that much is clear, and he's what like thirteen games away from that. Okay. Uh, but they they should load manage him. I, I wouldn't say he's like done done. He's he's not good. I mean, can he I'm get can we get generous. can we get forty five fifty games out of him? I mean, the thing is with Fashing and and Gautier and Holmstrom, it just feels like I mean I feel like Holmstrom needs to be in the lineup every night. So then it's just a matter of I've got Martin, I've got Martin Cal, Gautier and Fashing for those last two spots. Listen, if you're if you're ever in a game where you're playing Martin five and a half minutes, to me that tells you that he's he's in that thirteenth, fourteenth forward territory. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. I, I I tend to agree. Okay. Uh Adam Pellick. We'll do good news. I'll do bad Oof. news first. Adam oh. Pellick was about as bad as he was. Now listen, I will I'm gonna come to his defense before you just rip him. The Colorado Avalanche, specifically, you know, that team with that speed, they are going to make many, many very good defensemen look bad. That said, Adam Pellick looked really bad. He it was just like a couple of plays where he was just making the mistakes on his own. He was it wasn't Colorado really exploiting him. It was just him being the pinch that he had on the or not the pinch, the step up that he had on the first power play goal. Completely took himself out of the frame and left Pollock high and dry on a two on one there. Um against Buffalo, right? I think it was the second goal where he just kind of like stepped up for a hit, completely missed. Oh my and god, that, that hit was in the back of the net. That hit was absolutely it was it was moments after he got in a fight, which by the way, yeah, which by the way, you know, maybe Pelic, some don't, ever there, fu- but just, don't ever fight just again. Terrible. Yeah, he stepped up to hit whoever it was. It was honestly, I thought it was I thought it was Romanov. It was such a it was such a, like it's something that Romanov would do. Last it's something year. Romanov would do, yeah. Right. Like, would probably, he he goes for that get big a piece hit. Of the guy. Right, but he goes for the big hit and he takes himself out of the play occasionally. That's what it, I was yeah. like, what are you doing? Yeah, the fifth goal from Colorado again. Not a great goal, but 
No, but he can't shooting into legs. And there were also just a couple plays where he he just was having trouble connecting on out passes and getting out of the zone, or just wasn't skating the puck up. Just he looked. He I looked, mean, he looked slow. I hope he it's. Sloppy. I hope it's just like a head case thing. He's not old. He's twenty nine. You know, figure it out, Adam. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Get back we, to where team, you were. This team. Listen, I mean, I, I, I still think this team is a. I had him ninety six to one hundred three points, but they need Adam Pellick, no doubt about it. They okay, need so a hundred percent. We'll go to good news. Um, Noah Dobson, the he's guy. He's not only he's looking great, but without Mayfield, dude's playing twenty five, twenty six minutes a game, and probably not is, sustainable long term. But he's been no, he's been very, very good. He is okay offensively. He's been very good. I pointed out the pass to Horvat rather than going back to Barzal. I love that he's been very good on the power play. The the pass to Horvat in New Jersey too to set up the third goal. Yeah, he is right. That was just that's that's that was a great play. Just the yeah. fake beautiful pass one timer goal that was beautiful. Um, he had the luckiest goal in the world against Buffalo, though. It was going well wide, and then Clifton just punched it in. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Listen, <laughs> but that counts. That's that one counts. thing that Dobson has always been good at, and maybe maybe she teach Adam Pellick this is Dobson is really really good at avoiding the forwards shin pads and skates. He does get the puck through. You know, he seems to have a, a pretty good knack of getting that puck through when a lot of other defensemen are getting their shots blocked. The thing that's impressed me with Dobson is, listen. He is never going to be, you know, uh, uh, the best defensive defenseman back there. But he has not been the liability that he was. Not just since last game year. one, no. Right. No. Nope. He's game been one was, was a bit hairy, but no, he's been these past four games have been very good, and they needed him to be. Right, Bolduc, he's barely playing, but I think they're they're putting him in him in spots where he could kind of relieve the other five. Please get better soon, Scott Mayfield. Yeah, he, let, let's he let's talk about you. that. Let's talk about. Okay, so bad news now. Bolduc, obviously Mayfield's injured at the end of game one. He's been out ever since. Sam Bolduc is in the lineup here. Uh, I think you and I touched on, we think Lou is doing him a, a uh, injustice in the sense that it, I'd much rather see him down in the AHL getting 20 minutes a game and actually developing. Clearly Lane does not trust him. And frankly, I don't think he trusts himself. I think he was fine against Colorado, but again, it's it's very hard to read into how well he's playing when he's barely playing. Yeah. And they're they're picking and choosing those spots. It's usually going to be offensive zone starts for him, and then they're going to get him off pretty quickly. Um, it just creates an imbalance within the pairs, and it requires everyone to do so much more. Um, so are they desperate for Mayfield? I wouldn't call it desperate, but let's get him back. Let's get him healthy. I don't think they anticipated it would be this long, right? We're we're about to go on five games over here. If it's five more games, then you know maybe they'll feel dumb about not retroactive LTIRing him and calling up an emergency defenseman. But but whether it's you know you want to, you still want to accrue cap space. Whether it's LTIR doesn't allow you to do that. Whether Mayfield is back soon or not, injuries are inevitable, and yeah. Bolduc is our seventh defenseman. So let's say Mayfield does come back, but okay, then Pellet gets hurt for four games. I, yeah, you want you want a better seven. I agree. Or, or, whether it's a better seven or just a seven that Elaine trusts more. I mean, yeah. nobody's seventh defenseman is good. Some teams are. Like Boston's last year, they had, they had eight good defensemen. Okay. They had nine right. good defensemen. They had Mike Riley in the AHL. So some teams do, right? Once upon a time, the Islanders had Andy Green and Noah Dobson as their seven and eight. Right. Yeah, good point. Good point. Three years ago. So Yeah. Anyway, but I, I just feel like get him somebody who can at least, you know, Lane feels comfortable playing 12, 13, 14 minutes, whatever it is. Okay. Uh, Ryan Pollock, are you concerned at all? 
I wouldn't say concerned. I want to see more offense from him, though. The Polak-Romanov pair has not been scored on yet. Yeah, right, by the way, there's, there's, a, there's a positive. Romanov might has be... has not given up a goal yet. You, you tweeted this, and I've been talking about it, and I know people, a few people that I, I really respect in the hockey world, especially Islander fans. I, I, we saw just a dramatic improvement from Romanov last year. Um, I think his injury at the end of the season... And especially in the playoffs, I don't think people realize how much that actually hurt us. Mm-hmm. And his skating ability, his mobility, his physicality. Um, no, he's never going to score you know, 12 goals and get 40 assists. That's not him. But he can contribute offensively. You see him actually joining the rush, getting yeah. the shot off. Uh, but defensively, he, just, he, is, he is mobile enough to stay with today's NHL player. There was one play where like McKinnon was skating in the right side and Romanov was there and just completely angled him off. And the, I mean, again, I watched the Colorado broadcast that was available and they said, wow, like, you know, that Romanov could, he, he shut down that lane pretty quick. Um, the skating ability matters. He had one, <laughs> one play again, shot into shin pads and then it led to a breakaway um, where yeah. I think it was Johansson couldn't really get off as clean an opportunity as he would have liked to. That was a nice save by Sorokin. I'll give him credit. Yeah, and then he took a penalty that you don't want him to take, but but defensively he's been he's been quite sound. Um, and I, I would put that in the positive column in terms of the Polak Romano pair. I just want to see Polak, you know, bring a little more offense already. Yeah, no, no, no doubt about that. Uh, I, I did want to, you brought him up, uh, Maggio. Uh, scores goal number one, scores goal number two. I know you kind of like eh, tongue in cheek. We're saying, hey, looks like somebody's auditioning for that. Uh, that are our that top line winger spot, right wing. Yeah. Uh, I mean, he's not going to get called up anytime soon unless there's a, a rash of injuries. But it's good to see, right? Sky was obviously the best player in the OHL last year as a 20 year old. Uh, he's not quite 21 yet. I think he's turning 21 in November. Uh, so. Pretty young by AHL standards and three points in five games. Excited to see what he could do there, right? It's, uh, you know, his, his shot is wicked. Both of those goals were just him releasing really nice wrist shots. And he can skate. Um, which is, which and is he big. can skate. He, he skates pretty well. Someone who I wanted to talk about who's, who's kind of gone under the radar, who's off to a really nice start, and not, not just because of the stats, but Kyle Palmieri. I think yeah. he's been wonderful. Yeah, he is, he is just noticeable. Yeah. He is a menace. Um, he's the kind of guy you want on your team, and you, you you kind of hate when he's not when he's on the other team. He's just a pest, you know. Um, he's got he's got that edge to him, which I think a lot of you know a lot of good NHL players have. If you want to make it this far, you've got to have an edge, and he's got that edge. He walks the line between you know being physical and maybe being a little bit dirty, and you need that. I think what I've always liked about him is he could score in so many different kinds of ways. He could tip pucks, he could stuff pucks, he could clean up rebounds. And then he's also got a really good one timer and a really good wrist shot. Like he's got, he could score from anywhere in the zone. I will say that for the first time in a while, I actually really like our power play one personnel. I mean, there's no reason why Barzal, Horvat, Nelson, Palmieri and Dobson should not find success. Now, Nelson, as good of a playmaker is, as good of a goal scorer he is, seems to he have a bit have of a, a one timer. And he seems to have a bit of a, almost like grenade hands when it's got to be like yes. passes. He just loses too many little passes on those power plays. Yeah. Um, His one timer is also not great. 
Right. He's just a, he's just na- our naturally our best goal scorer right now. Yeah. So he kind of has to be there. Mm-hmm. But it, those for the first time I'm looking at it going, okay, that's a decent power play one. At least it should be. Um, hey, are you at all concerned, by the way, the fact that the Bruins are 6-0 and and that Detroit? These are two teams we, we both assumed. No Bergeron, no David Krejci. I don't know who's playing center for him. And we assumed, okay, the Bruins are going to fall down. They've got that down. rookie. I forget his name, but they've yeah. got some rookies playing well. He's playing well. But we assumed and we thought, okay, I thought the Bruins would make the playoffs, but I thought they would fall down, you know, fall down the slot a little bit. Now, listen, it's only six games in. Let's not get over. Or let's not get crazy. But the Red Wings, too. Now, that's a team also that's kind of fighting. These are teams that are going to be in that hunt. The Red Wings are shooting like 35% on the power play. I I am not buying any Detroit Red Wings stock right now. Like, I'll, no. I'll give the Bruins all the credit in the world. You know what? We knew coming into the season, their defense and their goaltending are still, still really good. Question marks at forward, but... You know, Pasternak is obviously still a world-class winger, and he's he's been doing a lot for them. They've been keeping the opposing teams off the board. But I will point out it helps when, you know, two of your first six games are Chicago, and then another two are Anaheim and San Jose, right? So they've, they've really had a pretty, you know, muffin of a, of a schedule so far. Which, which again, six and zero, oh, six and zero. Oh, not going to take anything away from them. But I want I want to see more. I want to see more before I, I determine that they're some some juggernaut again because I I'm not convinced that they are. With Detroit, they have just an abnormally high team shooting percentage. Like I mentioned, the power play. I think overall their team shooting percentage is over fifteen percent. That is not sustainable at all. No, and not unless, I, not unless I expect, every single shooter is Austin Matthews. Yeah, I expect some some regression to come in pretty soon. I'm just happy that we're going to get them soon. I think we're playing them Monday night. I'm By just, the way, you called it. Hopefully, on Buffalo. that shooting luck kind of runs out. Go you ahead. You called it on Buffalo a couple of years ago. I think it was maybe last year when I said the Buffalo is doing really well. You're like, I'm not buying that. I'm selling that. I'm selling that for sure. And yeah. Sure also, right. I think it was just just a ridiculously high shooting percentage early in the season, that, and that could happen for any stretch. Right? Like any team could go on a eight to ten game stretch where everything is clicking, the power plays looking electric. We've we've seen it with the, the puck Islanders. Just, last the year. puck just goes in. Yeah, and the puck just goes yeah. in. Uh, I think again, last you... November the Islanders power play operated at like forty percent. And uh, then once again, for the rest you are of the year, uh, dog doo doo. Sorry, here I was gonna say uh, once again, you are watching or listening to the Red Line presented by Isles Fix, your only daily New York Islanders newsletter. Subscribe at islesfix.substack.com. You can follow Phil or myself on Twitter at Phil's Facts. I am a tuck on sports. Okay, Phil. Uh, before we sign off, I want to ask you very simple. Besides, hopefully, four points over the next two games versus Ottawa and Columbus. What do you want to see? Knowing, by the way, that the lineup is going to be the same for Ottawa. We don't know Columbus yet. I want to see two things. I want to see better special teams. More more so on the PK side, but also, you know, more power play goals. And I just want to see more consistency with the lines. I think we're getting closer to the point where I want to see Lane figure it out. Figure out the right line combos. Let's not be juggling every other game. Okay. And and for Columbus, anything in particular? Hopefully, I I really like to see Varley in that lineup. I, I'd like yeah, to see Varley. I, I think that's I'd a like good, to that's see a good spot for Varlamov. Yeah, I'd like. I, I I would not mind at all seeing a Pajot, Gautier, Holmstrom third line, and I'd like to see Fashing slotted in on that fourth line occasionally. And listen, I know I know the Wallstrom lovers out there are gonna are gonna hate me for it, but I, I've seen enough. Um, I'm not going to say, I don't, I don't want to say that he's never getting another chance, but I don't think he's ready right now. 
Yeah, he's, he's yeah. yeah, that's all I have to say. Blah. Blah. Yeah, there you Blah. go. I love it. <laughs> forty minutes of forty minutes of, of Islander talk, and it comes down to yeah, yeah, yeah. I exactly. I love it, man. Hey, uh, that is going to do it for us. Uh, we do this each and every week, guys. So uh, we certainly appreciate your support. If you have any questions for us, uh, tweet us at Phil's Facts or at Tech on Sports. Use the hashtag uh, the Red Line, and we will get to your questions if we can. Bye bye.